Fundraising everywhere. 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 Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we give you a glimpse into one of our amazing webinars or conferences. You can check out one of our full sessions and get a 50% discount by using the code FEPODCAST at fundraisingeverywhere.com. Yep, just head to the Fundraising Everywhere website and use the code FEPODCAST at the checkout to get 50% off any of our sessions. Fly off the shelves, cause related marketing 101. So uh, I'm Emma Smith. I'm the senior partnerships manager at GivePenny, the world's most connected giving platform. And we're on a mission to change fundraising for good. Today, I'll be speaking to David Hesekiel to get his insights into cause related marketing. Um, David came to the field of doing well by doing good. After years of volunteering for good causes and a career in journalism, publishing and consumer marketing. In the months after 9-11, he identified a growing business need, a clearinghouse almost, where corporations and nonprofits would find the building blocks of cause marketing success. That eureka moment led to him to found Cause Marketing Forum, which is now Engage for Good, the world's leading resource on building mutually beneficial business and nonprofit alliances. Since 2002, the company's events, online offerings and membership program have helped thousands of executives gain the practical knowledge they need to succeed, make valuable connections and honour outstanding accomplishments in this expanding field. His single-minded concentration on cause marketing and corporate social initiatives has quickly made David one of the field's leading authorities, frequently quoted in leading publications such as The Washington Post, USA Today, NPR, Adweek, The Chronicle of Philanthropy and PR Week. A popular speaker, David has addressed nonprofit and business groups in the US and abroad. That is quite an impressive CV, David. Well, thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm very honored to be introduced to and, and most of it is true. So it's great. <laughs> Always a good thing when most of it's true. So um, we're going to do a little Q&A today for everybody. Without further ado, unless you've got anything else to add, should we jump straight into the questions? No, it's wonderful to, it's wonderful to be here. I actually started the research that became this organization by attending a business in the community event in London about 21, 22 years ago. So it's great wow. to be all, at least virtually with all of you. Can you say it's come full circle almost? Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, question number one then, why would a company commit to a cause marketing partnership? Well, it's fascinating. When we started, this was sort of an esoteric field people who came to our original events sort of, ooh, you know, I, I'm so glad to be here because other people in my company don't understand me or other people at my nonprofit organization don't think that this is really legit. But now, fast forward 20 years, it is so on trend. One would be hard pressed to read the conventional business press and not see study after study that says that corporate citizenship, that the idea of giving back has to be a part of what the people at the highest levels in the company are thinking about in terms of how they are running their business. Uh, I, we've gone from 
cause marketing, which isn't a term that we use as much anymore, CSR, now ESG, they're all uh, all over the business pages. Um, and a company would turn to cause partnerships because they see that need, because they see the younger generations de demanding that. Um, and they would probably turn to often a nonprofit organization because they're looking for some complementary expertise. They are in the widget business or whatever business. They rent cars, they build factories, they do whatever. And they're not necessarily skilled at creating programs that are additive to their business, but also have a social impact. And very often when they identify a proper field, there's a group that can complement what they do. And they're also doing it because they are looking for a halo effect. Um, they are looking for a partner who helps add some legitimacy to their efforts in this field. One has to be careful. Uh, in fact, the most common complaint that I hear from nonprofits is that there is an over-expectation of the nonprofit is sort of being a PR machine or that they will be asked to overreach. And there are mm -hmm. issues, I don't know if it's as common in uh, the UK as it is here, but the idea of cause washing or green washing is something that everybody in this field has to be very careful of. You really have to have your heart, your, your dollars or pounds in the right, in the right place in order to do this effectively. But those are some of the reasons why companies look to cause partnerships. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what cause washing is? Well, cause washing is the idea that a, not, a company is trying to do the bare minimum in order to sort of check the box and say, we're a good corporate citizen. So they will give an inadequate amount of money to a cause that they don't really have a deep association with, sure. but they will feel that they've checked the box, they've done the minimum. And people will say, you know, you're, you're doing this. It's not, it's not sincere. It's not authentic. And uh, my goodness, in this age of social media, if there is the hint of uh, not being any of those things, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll take a drubbing uh, on, on social media. Sure. So how can a charity make themselves the most attractive partner possible whilst avoiding having a partnering with a company that would do that? Yeah. Well, so as much as I am a proponent of this being a very potentially fruitful avenue for nonprofits to pursue, I am also not one of those people who sees uh, you know, who sees this as the, uh, the, the, the solution to every problem and that it's not the lazy, there used to be a, a book, the lazy man guide to riches. You know, this isn't for the faint of heart. This isn't for, uh, those who just think it's easy, quick money. But if you are well situated in terms of what your group is all about, and you are willing to do the research and you have the resources to do this uh, properly, it can be a terrific way. And it's funny, we uh, in May will be celebrating our 20th annual event and uh, Omicron permitting it will be in person after two years of having had virtual events. And 
yet when I thought about this question, I remembered the first piece of content that we ever published on our website, which is an article by the fellow named a fellow named Kurt Asherman, who was the CMO and the chief development officer for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, which is a leading charity uh, in the United States. And he wrote an article called The Ten Commandments of Cause Marketing for Nonprofits. Basically, what he was saying was that those who think that working in this field is simply saying, give us money, we'll let you use our logo, and we'll see you again next year, are going to fail miserably because that kind of superficial relationship, A, it doesn't breed long-term and expanding relationships, and it is a subject to that kind of criticism of cause washing. So what he says suggests is that first you do your homework internally. You really take a close look at your organization and understand what you're about, whether your subject matter is one that lends itself to working with companies. And I'll give you an example. If you work for a tiny organization that works on a very rare disease that has a minute number of followers, those don't line up very well with working with companies. You might be able to develop a relationship with the one or two pharmaceutical companies that are working against your orphan disease. Um, and, and you probably should pursue other avenues. On the other hand, let's say that you are an anti-hunger charity um, and you have something uh, that is quite unique in your approach to how you tackle this program. You've got some recognition in the marketplace in terms of you doing uh, good work. There are a slew of possible uh, uh, companies that are related to food issues. They could either uh -huh. be food marketers, they could be restaurant chains, they could be actually once removed or even twice removed from the actual delivery of food, but they're somehow involved in logistics or refrigeration or there you can say, I think that we have something and we could make it a natural stand with them. The second thing to think about is understand how you and your organization works. If you are working for an organization and the CEO hates the idea of working with the corporate sector. Either if you want to pursue this, go someplace else, or it's not the right thing to do. Because the goal in this game is that you'll develop a relationship with a company and you'll work together to create terrific ideas for programs. And then you'll sign an agreement and you're saying, okay, you will do this and we will do that. Well, if you go back and everybody on your team with whom you have what we call in the States a dotted line relationship, they don't, you're not their boss. They all say, oh, we would never do that. What did you sign us up to do? All of a sudden you're gonna have a terrible experience with this company and they won't come back and they'll probably, your, your name will be sullied in the process. 
So you need to do the advanced work of saying, do we have the agreement as an organization that we will do this work? And how will we work if we are fortunate enough to have signed a good deal that commits us to doing certain things? Um, and so he, he talks about it in terms of following account management principles. The idea that whereas traditionally you are very focused on the work that you do, now all of a sudden you have somebody else that you have to be partnered with. Yeah. And, if, and if you're not comfortable with having that relationship, it can be, it can be tough. Um, be prepared to listen. Uh, you know, there's that old expression, God gave us two ears and one well mouth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're going out to talk with companies. Yes, you want to establish and impress them with what you can do and what you are about. But you really want to be listening for what it is that they need and that they can bring to the party. And that brings us to another thing, which is really decide what it is that you want out of these types of relationships because um, it, if you're just expecting a big fat check, that's only one aspect of what companies can do. And often they have other capabilities, maybe media, it may be, uh, um, it may be volunteers. It could be a whole bunch of different things that they can bring that will uh, enable you to really succeed and move forward. Uh, but uh, you need to be thinking about that and be open to those possibilities when moving forward. Excellent. So this guy wrote this book, you said 20, 20 years ago. How has the landscape marketing, how has the cause marketing landscape changed? Let's say in the last few years, let's go five or 10 years. Yeah, well, it's- Or, it's, or it's, 20. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, a bit of what we were, I was talking about in, in, in front, it is so amazing from 20 years ago where we, we, we were this sort of renegade band of people who were, who either people in business went, oh, that's really cute, that's really sweet, but that's not really how business is done. <laughs> or people in the nonprofit sector who said, you guys uh, on the nonprofit side are really... Um, you're evil. In fact, there was a time when even the idea that you were doing marketing, that was a bad word. Literally, I wasn't sometimes able to say the word marketing because they thought, oh, no, that was being deceptive. So that's how far different it was 20 years ago. In the last few years, there's been this evolution. I mean, part of which is you mentioned we, we changed our name from the Cause Marketing Forum to being this more evolved type of organization called Engage for Good, engaging with consumers, engaging with employees, engaging with uh, regulators and, and people in governance. It's a much broader field. And there have been innumerable um, movements along the way uh, that have sort of been, wow, this is a, an incredible milestone. The UN came up with its, its SDGs and set the whole world on fire in terms <laughs> of how are we going to accomplish these types of sustainability goals. I mean, it's it's both wonderful and horrible because we have such a troubled world that we're we we but hopefully we're we're rallying to that. Um, 
in the United States, there's something called the Business Roundtable, which is sort of seen as one of the most pro-business conservative organizations. Um, and traditionally, it had had the approach that said, the reason why businesses, why corporations are run is to increase shareholder value, end of story. And a couple of years ago, they came up with a statement that was signed by about 200 CEOs that said, we are going to talk about a multi-stakeholder uh, way of running businesses. Um, and again, that was a, a, a big change in public attitudes being expressed. Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock, which is the largest manager of investment funds in the world, came out about two years ago with an annual letter that he does addressed to CEOs and said, you must be thinking even about climate change and we are going to be using uh, measures of this multi-stakeholder approach and this climate change approach to be considering as a factor in what we think are good uh, good uh, businesses to be investing in because if you don't have a view to the future, we think that the future is going to be uh, bad for your business because you must be. So uh, those are really um, uh, some of the indicators that once again, we've gone from a nice to do to a must do from being sort of a on the side of the plate to be more in the center of the plate in terms of what we're talking about. Um, and, uh, and it, you know, I think it's, it's a terrific thing and none too soon. Excellent. So is there out there in the big wide world of everything that you've seen, is there a cause marketing partnership that you particularly admire? And if so, why, what about it is excellent. Yeah. I, 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 I love this. I'm actually, uh, because we're coming up on this, uh, this milestone in our organization's life uh, and the theme that we've adopted for our 20th conference is looking back, looking ahead. I've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about folks that we've honored in the past, uh, thinking about programs that were big at one time that I've almost disappeared at this time. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. And I think if I had to select one program that I really, really admire it is from Subaru. Is Subaru uh, much of a brand in in your country? If you're a if you're a petrol head, I think it is. But they're they're loud cars that not everybody drives. <laughs> yeah, well, and they're coming out. They just announced they're coming out with their first electric vehicle. Uh, okay. So uh, anyway, in the United States, uh, it is a small brand, uh, but really fantastic. And it's well known for being an all-wheel drive uh, line of vehicles. And uh, it is uh, brilliant in really analyzing who are the people who are into the Subaru brand. And they do a lot of targeted marketing. It's interesting. Nurses, for some reason. Teachers, for some reason people who are into the outdoors because all-wheel drive and so it allows you to to go into um, more challenging terrain um and 20 oh not 20 years ago oh, 14 years ago or 15 years ago they created a program called share the love and what they did is they committed that during the month of december for every subaru that is purchased 
they would make a $250 donation to one of four charities. Uh, and over the years, the intervening 14 years, they, on a national level, and then it's now augmented by uh, contrib additional contributions that are made by their dealers, they've given away $225 million, which wow. is a lot of money. But beyond the just size of what they have accomplished, first of all, they've had very long-term relationships with the charities that they work with. And each year- Do you know what they were? Do you know what yeah, the four charities were? Uh, yes, so let me see if I can remember. The <laughs> National Park Foundation, Meals on Wheels, um, oh my goodness, and now I'm, and now I'm, I'm forgetting the, I'm, I'll, I'll get back to you on the on the other two. Uh, <laughs> you know, of course, it was it was right uh, at the top of my head. But it's four different organizations, uh, four very different uh, uh, types of charities, um, and uh, what they've. Oh, the ASPCA is a, another classic one, and I'm forgetting the fourth. Uh, they've gone deep with all of these organizations. So the ASPCA is a great example. Uh, the American, it's the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and there are all sorts of PCAs all over the place. Um, a big effort for the ASPCA is uh, pet adoption. So what they will do is they will team up a local uh, shelter with a local dealership, and they will hold pet adoption events at the dealership. They work on many, many different levels as opposed to basically taking out an ad, saying that we're going to do this, and then it's over in, in, a, in a month, let's say. They're integrated on the dealership level. They're deal integrated on the advertising level. They're integrated um, in a wide with their with their supporters, the people who are uh, very loyal to the brand, um, and then the, and, and then in the way that they work with their charity partners, like the National Park Foundation, uh, Subaru is actually very progressive. They not only have uh, their original factories abroad in in, in Korea, but they have. Uh, some in the United States, and they are very proud that they have zero landfill facilities. And they've taken some of that learning and helped the National Park Foundation adopt those types of practices at the parks. So those are just a few things, but long-term, significant, integrated, uh, those are the kinds of relationships that are meaningful and are, uh, you know, all of their partners, I think, feel very fortunate because they're talking about doing great things together and accomplishing great things as opposed to sort of the once and done type of quick relationships that are uh, superficial by comparison. Sure. Well, that's really interesting. Thank you. Um, okay, so final question then. So if a charity was to start looking for brands to partner with, or to refresh their prospect pipeline, where do you recommend they start? Okay. The first step. Absolutely. So, and 
the first step is to look inward. Sort of harkening back to what we were talking about before. It's, you know, uh, somebody might see the Subaru, your CEO might see the Subaru commercial and go, oh, we should be doing that. First, make the decision, is this the right uh place for you to be playing because there's going to be a, a requirement of dedicating resources to making these things happen. Uh, it's estimated that from first meeting to actually hitting the marketplace, it on average is about an 18 month cycle. So it's a very long-term cycle, uh, but analyze what do you have in your group that can make you material to uh to, to the life of, of a company and what could they contribute to you uh, as again, media, money, volunteers, bonds with particular groups, et cetera. Then when you've figured out sort of the themes, uh, then take a look and examine what are the likely prospects? Uh, are there industries that line up well with you? And we, we used the example of fighting hunger, uh, having very clear links to certain industries. Geographically, you know, are, are you the London food bank? Well, then clearly uh, that's a very rich pool of prospects because there are many establishments in that area. Whereas if you're in a remote rural area, you probably won't be able to get much money from local businesses but maybe you could find them uh, nationally. Um, and then uh, there are resources. Uh, there's a company, for example, called Accelerist. They are whizzes at uh, compiling data and looking at data to try to take this one step further besides looking sort of at your mental Rolodex, but figuring out what are companies that uh, that might be aligned with you, figuring out the demographics of their part of their customers or employees, figuring out your demographics, et cetera. Um, so companies like that, and there may be uh, analogs to that uh, in, in your part of the world as well in terms of that. Certainly there are then companies uh, who are in the consulting field who have experience and it's not, we use the expression here, it's not their first rodeo, it's not yeah. their first uh, time out in terms of going down this way. And that can help you save time and energy and make wiser decisions. And then I would be, it would be wrong of me not to say, please go and visit engageforgood.com. <laughs> tons of, and it costs nothing. We have tons of free resources on our website, uh, articles on various topics related to this, a 101 series that you can uh, go through uh, at, at your own pace. And then of course, uh, conferences, webinars, podcasts, et cetera, uh, that can help you uh, in this journey. And it would, be, uh, it would be our delight to hear of successes and even challenges that you're having uh, in, in your efforts. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your insight, David. It's really, really helpful. I particularly liked um, when you spoke about the, the global goals for sustainable development and how that's like people have to do those now. It's not even 
there's no question on whether you should be doing that or not. So that was really interesting for me. Um, if people want to find out more about you, you mentioned your website, but where else can they find you? Uh, well, so uh, first of all, I, I welcome your uh, emails and missives. So I'm dh at engageforgood.com. Uh, we have a, a very robust uh, series of uh, materials at engageforgood.com. I also am a blogger on Forbes. So you can search for Hesekiel, which I know is a mouthful, H-E-S-S-E-K-I-E-L, uh, on the Forbes uh, site. And I put out uh, a number of pieces each month, especially uh, interviews with people who are doing fascinating work in our field. So uh, come and visit. I will. Thank you. I think that's all that we have time for. But thank you so much for your time today, David. It was really insightful. My pleasure. Have a great day. And you.